You're listening to the Changing Lives Podcast, where we talk with health professionals, industry experts, and everyday heroes, changing lives on the front lines through emergency healthcare. I'm Ben Cleaver. And I'm Tim Buxton. Welcome to the Changing Lives Podcast. Today, we have a special episode. We have Jo Brigden-Jones, and she is a two-time now Olympian, um, bound for Tokyo. She's also a paramedic. She's been a graduate paramedic for four years now. She graduated with Charles Sturt University. Um, Just really, we get into such a a fascinating uh, discussion about how her her paramedic career and her athletic career have evolved and and changed, and and we find out some pretty interesting, um, I think, you know, facts about her, her journey. Mm. She's a K4 sprinter in the kayaking, so you pretty much have to be a high-performance athlete to, to, to power those 500 metres at, at uh, incredible speeds. And she's been very successful over the years. Yeah, we talk about her dedication, obviously, to, to do anything at an Olympic level. Mm. There is some serious scheduling, training, um, but it wasn't actually her original passion. Her original passion, she found at 10 years of age, she wanted to be a paramedic. And she only you know, gained a, a real interest in kayaking later on in her teens. Um, she did a Bachelor of Nursing initially straight out of school. Yep. And, uh, and then, but still had that, oh, you know, I want to be a paramedic. And she did a post-grad and uh, now, now working for the um, New South Wales Ambulance Service for, for four years. Yeah, I mean, just that journey alone from a 10-year-old wanting to be that to having to juggle um, many aspects of her, her careers, many things that she certainly keeps herself busy. And, and, and uh, it's just fascinating just to hear how she finally achieved that goal of becoming a paramedic after I think it was almost 13 years when she started seriously that journey um, along the way. What I love about what she says is that that can seem like a, a, a daunting kind of path to go on 13 years in mm. net from from when I start to to being in that position where I want to be wow that's a long time but Joe actually really embraces and appreciates the life experience and she talks about this towards right. the end as a, an advice to students is she's brought her life experience in sport exactly. nursing and everything into and she feels like that uh, it, it's made her a better paramedic and her advice is to to not rush mm things yeah so if you're aspiring if you're already on that journey of becoming a paramedic i think you're going to really enjoy this conversation we have with joe and hopefully uh won't be long we'll be cheering her on in the olympics in tokyo 2021 let's get into it yeah like i love i love pressure tell people i love that's why i love racing it's um it's kind of a, it's a skill I guess I've developed um, mm. along the years to then you know love racing and being able to get the most um, out of myself and to be consistent in racing uh, but yeah having those feelings and emotions before a race you can't really replicate them mm-hmm. many other times but I feel like sometimes I have replicated them when I'm on the job as a paramedic so like I said those bigger jobs where you feel the pressure feel the tension uh, but yeah I can you know, control my emotions, um, set that aside and just focus on the skills at, at hand, what I need to do. Um, and then if you have a good outcome for your patient, that's that's pretty satisfying. Mm, yeah. yeah. 
Well, Joe, thanks so much for joining us on on the podcast today. Um, now, you're a paramedic for four years with the New South Wales Ambulance, and um, it obviously wasn't your your first career choice um, coming out of school. I think you obviously came out as an athlete, and we'll we'll talk a bit about though how you got to becoming a paramedic. Um, but this time, right now, you were supposed to be. In Tokyo, you're supposed to be uh, getting ready to compete. I don't exactly know when the games were, but I think it was this summer, June, July, right? Yeah, next month. Next yeah. month, and um, obviously, uh, coronavirus came and um, and really impacted that. There was a time when we didn't even know if the the games were going to still go ahead or not. Can you take us back to that that moment, that experience that you had, where everything was kind of up in the air, and um, and, and here you are kind of left with your dreams of competing again at the Olympics kind of uh, up in the air. Yeah, so thinking back to March, it kind of was, it was a crazy two weeks for us. So our national championships where we raced in March uh, doubled as the final Olympic selection trial. And we were lucky enough to squeeze it in because after that weekend, that's when they started cutting all events, you know, over 500 people. So we managed to squeeze in our olympic selection trials and from that i knew that i'd qualified onto the team but they didn't officially announce our team yet because it had to get ratified and there was a few processes to go through so uh kind of knew in the back of my head that i was going to tokyo uh but we kind of had to keep it on the down low keep it quiet and then that's when kind of coronavirus really exploded here and um yeah it was just a crazy couple of weeks because i was working just two shifts a week as a paramedic at the time i live in sydney and our main base for our sport for kayaking is on the Gold Coast. So often I'd travel to and from Sydney um, up to the Gold Coast a lot of the time so I could train with my teammates. Uh, but with the you know travel restrictions coming in place, the potential of the borders closing for Queensland, um, it was kind of decided that I needed to relocate to Queensland. So I got about five days notice. So I spent all weekend packing up my apartment, try to put it up for rent, um, hoping someone would move in because been that I was going to have to move to the Gold Coast for four or five months before the game. So that mm. meant I had to take leave without pay from work. So, oh so I was trying to rent my apartment out just to make a few extra dollars a week. Wow. Um, so yeah, I was at work just finishing up my final shifts, saying goodbye, thinking, oh yeah, won't be back to Sydney for a while. Wow. And then I got a phone call from our performance director saying, don't come to the Gold Coast. Looks like the Olympics are going to get postponed. Um, stay put. And then the next day, they, the International Olympic Committee officially called it off for this year and said it's going to be next year. So went from all that to then talking to work about going back full-time and staying in Sydney and, yeah. Well, how did that then, make you feel? I mean, like, there's a, I mean, the, the selection process itself is is not an easy one. Is it? Is it kind of like, you know, top three, one, two, three, you get selected like in a swimmer, it's fastest? Or, I mean, the... Um, yeah, it's a bit different in our sport because we've got team boats like different events and things so for us at nationals um you could get an automatic spot by um just finishing certain places and um, meeting performance standard time so right i got onto the team through that way so i knew my spot on the team and then if there was a few discretionary picks from the selectors so okay based on past performances or you know different results um so so it can still be quite anxious not really knowing really yeah there was a few people who didn't know until they got a phone call uh, a few days after racing saying had been selected and then you get some people miss out as well. So that, that emotion, I'm just thinking the emotion of like, mm. 
getting on, finally getting there, and and this is like your your second Olympic Games, but you first qualified in 2012, so you've been doing this for achieving mm. high levels for quite some time, and you finally made it. What was it? What did it feel like? Just the I can imagine the emotions of of that up and down. Yeah, well, like get yeah, to qualify for the team, I think uh, it's a massive achievement. I was very proud of myself, and yeah. Um, yeah, like you said, it was eight years since I qualified for my last Olympics, and you think about how much work and effort and time and everything you put into it, um, the massive roller coaster you go through just to get to that point. So, um, massive relief, um, massive, yeah, set of emotions, being proud of myself mm. and um, being excited and thinking about you know the next few months, what's to come, and actually getting to Tokyo. But then, yeah, having to put all of that on hold um, and have a completely then different set of emotions uh, because we basically have our every single day up until the Olympics planned out. So we had the next four or five months from March planned to the Olympics, um, you know, Man. where we were going to be, what training sessions we were going to do. We went to go to Europe in May to race at the World Cup. So, so much was planned and then all of a sudden it got turned on its head. So then you're just going through a whole other range of emotions and it, for me, it kind of almost felt like grief when the Olympics got postponed. Mm. Um, you know, that just massive loss of something you can't control. Wow. Um, it's kind of hard. I felt selfish at first because, you know, it's just the Olympics and it's just the Olympics. next year. Oh. <laughs> where other oh people are going gosh. through a lot more. Uh, but it, it means so much to us because we put so much time and effort into it. It's a, a massive goal for us so oh to have that taken away from you um, and every, everything change. You mean our whole training set up so our coaches weren't allowed to coach us anymore um oh you know I had to wow. go then training by myself set up a gym in my garage so um you lose your squad everyone had to you know you can't train together um so yeah massive massive range of emotions for all the athletes all around the world mm. you say just the olympics yeah. and um and it can feel like that to us watching at home it's mm. like oh yeah olympics is on that's nice uh, oh it's off now you know mm. oh you know but for you you know the dedication right and uh, over years and years to get to a certain point and then suddenly it's taken it's away. taken away and mm. and um and of course not just taken away but then you find yourself on the front lines as a paramedic in a worldwide pandemic um mm. what can you can you tell us a bit about what that's what that was like and what it's yeah. been like since yeah, it's been really interesting to see it, uh, I guess, progress and evolve. So we would obviously heard about the virus in China and then it, I guess it started to spread. Uh, but I guess you almost have a disconnect between it when you you think, oh, there's a health issue going around in the world, but it's not quite here in Australia yet. So I think when I went to my first job where it was related to coronavirus, you're like, oh, this is here, like, because you spend time reading about it. We um, Our organisation started to... Uh, um, put out specific protocols, how to deal with the virus and what we needed to do if we came across a case. So you, you're reading about it, but it's kind of not really sinking in because you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And then it comes to the time where you actually need to deal with it. You're like, oh, wait, okay, what do we actually need to do? So it was that realisation of like, oh, it's here, it's it's mm. happening and it's in Australia now. It's, you know, bigger than, you know, what we initially thought and um, we now have to start dealing with this. So, yeah, it was interesting and then, I guess straight away it was kind of like, you know, things were changing every single day. So, you know, I think it started with travel, you know, people were traveling from um, China. That's the people we had to look out for. And then it was like, you know, Iran. And oh, like, wow. 
USA, so all the country, like the hotspots were changing. So our protocols were updating like every single day. So you had to keep on top of it and, you know, stay refreshed and the different signs and symptoms you were looking for. Um, so that evolved, but it kind of, now it's kind of second nature. Mm. You know, you kind of know your protocols. You go into every job prepared. Um, you've got your PPE ready to chuck on when you need to, you know, what you need to do. So it's, yeah, gone from something that's a bit foreign that you have to get your head around and do a lot of extra thinking to now, you know, everyone's um, pretty in control of what they're doing and, you know, know what we have to do for each thing. But uh, I guess for us working on the, on the front line, it's, there's just a, lot, a little bit more stress in terms of we know how contagious it is. Mm. We don't want to catch the virus ourselves. Yeah. We don't want to spread it to our colleagues. We don't want to take it home with us. So we are being, you know, a lot more cautious. Uh, we dress up in PPE for a, a huge range of jobs that we never used to mm. uh, for different signs and symptoms. And, yeah, and just a lot of decontamination, you know, afterwards, you know, thoroughly cleaning the ambulance, um, just following all those simple steps just to make sure that, you know, everyone's safe, safe from it. And you were working two days a week is it, um, before that. And now has it been now ramped up to are you working full time? Yeah, because uh, our whole situation with training and everything changed. So I found myself with a bit more spare time. So I thought might as well um, jump back into work a bit more, uh, went back full time. Um, and also because now the Olympics are another 12 months further away. That means I have to, you know, fund myself through that period as wow. well. So I wanted to earn a little bit more more money for that um but as well it was a good good distraction from the loss i guess we had with the olympics and mm. the training we're doing at the moment because we've had to train change all our training we've gone back to different type of training because now our events are not racing till december january um, so we're doing a lot more uh, endurance on the water and focusing on strength so that means our number of sessions have changed during the week and uh, because i was training by myself it was a bit more flexible so I uh, managed to go back full time on road, which is yeah, good for me. Mm. I mean the jug the juggle, just hearing all the different things that you know that you have to kind of plan in your day. You had uh, I think you mentioned four months out planned every day what was going on, and now you kind of you still have the athletic um, yeah, um, demands that you still have, but you've got to work full time. Understand you're a bit of a uh, avid baker on the side is that right <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. i've actually got a cake coming up this week and now i get paid to make cakes as well so people request certain specialty cakes and things so it's a bit of fun for me um but yeah i do like to make myself very busy i'm not very good at i was gonna no say how do so. you even how do you, how do you do all those things i mean yeah make the olympics would seem for anybody would seem like it would be everything that they do but here you are working full time and and got some side hustles. That's that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> How do you balance those uh, activities and responsibilities? Um, I think I've just gotten used to it over time. But for me, it's, I'm really passionate about both um, my sports, so kayaking. I love training. I love competing. Um, but I'm also very passionate about my job as a paramedic. So for me, because I love doing so, like both things, um, I find a way to fit it all in. So. Uh, it does take some precise planning, uh, good communication. So that's both, you know, with work and also with my coaches uh, to see how I can manage and fit everything in. But I guess over the years, it's been a little bit of a process of trial and ever error and see what works and what doesn't. Um, when I first started as a paramedic four years ago, I wasn't actually training. So I'd 
were planned to retire from kayaking, even though oh, I wow. didn't really officially do that. But, you know, I'd pretty much in my head um, thought I wasn't going to ever race again, but I just really enjoyed the sport. Um, so I just found myself going along to a paddling session once a week with my friends. And then I kind of realized I was still good at kayaking and I wasn't injured and, you know, my competitive nature kicked in. So I decided <laughs> to see if I could, you know, work and train as well. Uh, and that, in that first year I did that, you know, paddling wasn't my priority and I didn't do a full training load, but I still managed to have some very good results, um, which was encouraging. And then I guess that kind of um, pushed me forward and, you know, kept edging, you know, and then you keep on thinking, oh, what if, what if I could do this, you know, and then I'm still passionate about it. So I could just imagine yeah. your, your, your up and coming competitors going, would she just kind of just quit and, <laughs> and not yeah. come back? Yeah. Uh, can I, yeah. can I get a bit more of a, um, a specifics maybe of your like weekly schedule? Like what, yeah, what does right. it include, you know, with your, with your work as well? Um, mm. and then your training. And your bacon. Yeah, so and your bacon. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll talk probably about earlier this year. So coming into the Olympic trials, what I was doing. So generally, we generally we do three training sessions a day. So um, yeah, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'd do three sessions, um, and then so that's a mixture of like paddling, mainly paddling, and we do gym three times a week and cross training. And then with my work, I was alternating between a Wednesday night shift. We do 12-hour shifts. So I would either do a Wednesday night shift or a mm. Thursday day shift starting at 8 a.m. So if I did a Wednesday night shift, I'd sleep till lunchtime and then train in the afternoon. Or if I did a Thursday day shift, I would jump on the water at 6 a.m. and then rush off to work. Um, Friday was always a big day for us. We sometimes did four sessions. We'd go out to homebush and would paddle in the morning go out to homebush do gym out there and then we did a uh, bike session in the heat chamber because Tokyo's mm. meant to be very humid and hot so maybe around 40 degrees so we're kind of trying to acclimatize to that get our bodies used to that wow um then come back to Narrabeen um jump on the water again and then have a physio session so I didn't like Fridays wow and jumping <laughs> on the know. water is what you know how long are we just rolling up the up, up the, the paddling, way a little paddling. bit. Paddling, paddling, yeah. sorry. Uh, um, yeah, so it kind of varies. So um, at the moment, because we're doing longer endurance sessions, so I could be on the water for an hour 45 um, paddling up to 20K, 20 kilometres okay. on the water. But um, Just 20. In the, okay, just a yeah, quick 20. In the <laughs> competition season, you know, it could be oh, still around hour, an hour and a half, but we'd be mainly doing sprints or race-specific work. So it varies. Um, yeah, and then oh, back to my week. But then on the weekend, I'd do a either a Saturday night shift or a Sunday day shift. I'm exhausted. I'm my second. Sh- I'm second exhausted shift. just listening to you, and we're not even getting to your social life. So maybe yeah, uh, oh, that's, yeah, sometimes not existing. Uh, <laughs> oh wow, I can understand why you bake. I think yeah, yeah, would be a lovely. That's how little I get friends. Oh yeah. right, <laughs> right. I bake for people, and then they think I'm awesome. They're like, "Come bring us cake." Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness! I've worked it out. No. <laughs> That's that's incredible. Now I interrupted Ben before about calling it rowing paddling because we tried to get a, a bit educated before we came into this interview, and we, we have some um, kayaking uh, friends that have uh, competed, um, and you may even know uh, Jordan and uh, Elise, I think it is, um, mm-hmm. and and my brother-in-law actually is is uh, used to 
paddle back in the day. I think he was a, a nice. R tribe of Clint, Ro- Clint Robinson. But is there a reason why you call it um, like paddling? Like, like he said, make sure you call it paddling. Don't call it rowing. Is is there because yeah. paddling's yeah, much harder or? Or, um, well, or, rowing is a different sport. Oh. So they go backwards. They go backwards. So they're not as smart. We go forwards. So smart. I, I mean, who key, thought key of that? different. I, yeah. yeah. Well, that just makes sense. I'm all, yeah, <laughs> I guess, yeah. It's been a while since I've gone in a rowboat. Rowing, right. yeah. So it's like the difference between freestyle and backstroke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like completely different, different skills, it's, right? Yeah. There's like similarities to it. We race on the same course, but um, it is quite a different sport. Mm. But also, like, yeah, I do kayaking, but you can also say, "Oh, I went for a paddle this morning." You went for a paddle. Yeah. yeah. Ah, well, we we tried we tried our best to 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 be up on this um, uh, all the all the vernacular and make sure we got it right. But uh, <laughs> but we tried. Let, let, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we shift gears a bit. Um, hear me a bit more about your, your, your paramedic journey and how you, how you got into it. Um, yeah, yeah. You, you originally uh, did nursing. You were a nurse and mm-hmm. uh, registered nurse. And, um, and at some point um, you did the, the paramedic uh, postgrad. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I always wanted to be a paramedic since I was young, ah. probably about 10 years old. I- Really? saw ambulances zooming past and I was just fascinated by them. I just wanted to know what was going on inside. And that kind of stuck with me throughout high school. Uh, but at that stage, I was well into my kayaking career and I was uh, representing Australia from grade 11. So, you know, I was taking that seriously mm. and wanting to progress that. And at the time, I think the only course, university course in New South Wales that offered paramedics as an undergrad was Charles Sturt Uni out at Bathurst. Yes. So I knew I couldn't move out there while I continued to paddle because I needed to be in Sydney, you know, with my squad and my coaches. Mm. Uh, so I decided to do nursing as kind of like a stepping stone. I thought it would be a good career and give me a good base. Um, I didn't really want to do nursing at first. Um, I didn't think I was, you know, that passionate about it, but uh, I did I did enjoy it. I did enjoy the degree. And then I, after I finished my degree, I was just working casually part-time alongside my uh, training um, and it was it was good base like it was interesting I just worked at a small private hospital I never did a new grad year just because I couldn't fit it in uh, so it worked well for me and then so I think I finished my nursing degree in 2010 and then in 2012 I started a postgrad course in paramedics through Charles Sturt Uni um, and it was perfect for me because it was part-time it was mm. distance education so I could you know, do it anywhere around the world where I was with my training. Mm. Um, the course was just part-time over two years, but um, if I did it over two years, I would have finished at end of 2013. Uh, but I was trying to get to the Rio Olympics in 2016, so I knew I wouldn't start work as a paramedic then. So I thought there's no point in rushing mm. my course. So I decided just to do it over four years. So I did one subject a semester for four years, which worked out perfectly just because then I wasn't stressed about you know, uh, assessments and things like that or test exams um, because the level required for training and things and travel uh, was quite high. So, um, yeah, it worked out perfectly and I finished that course into 2015. Mm. Um, and then I started work with New South Wales Ambulance in the middle of 2016. So, yeah, it was good. 
good transition mm. and yeah, having the nursing background has really helped me on the job. Right. Um, it's given me a good base, um, good knowledge about lots of different things, even people's medications. So, mm. you know, you go on scene and you're like, oh, yeah, I know a lot of these meds or, you know, you know how to, you know, move people. Even it's simple, but moving someone from a chair to a stretcher, like what's this position, like all those basic things. Uh, that's why nursing was a really good base for me. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you all those advantages that uh, that it would have being, you know, just n- knowing all those medications. Um, this is quite quite a lot of things you, you kind of come up with and I can, I can really imagine how that would have helped, yeah. Yeah, because sometimes I find on scene of a job with patients, if they're not edu- educated about their medical history, you know, they can't really tell you much, but someone's medications can tell you so much. So you just read through the list and then you... Mm get a full understanding of exactly what medical history they have, you know. Yeah, we always ask people, do you have blood pressure, high blood pressure? They're like, no. And then you look at their meds and they're on a blood pressure tablet. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, no, I don't have high blood pressure because I'm medicated for it. So <laughs> right. and you're like, you still you have it. <laughs> it's diagnosed. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's that's very helpful. You've, um, you've mentioned passion a few times and obviously that and passion led you you know, originally wanting to be a paramedic through the nursing, and but, but what is it about paramedicine that really inspires you and um, mm. uh, motivates you? Um, not so much as a no, just as a healthcare worker, but in that emergency response um, role. I think it's cool. Like, you know, people don't know that they're going to call an ambulance that day. You know, they can't. You know, foresee the future and things pop up and people are left in difficult situations. So. To be able to help people when, you know, they're not having a good day and, you know, they, people don't want to call an ambulance, you know, it's not mm. not what they want to do. They don't want to end up in hospital. Um, so for us to be able to help them out, you know, if they're in pain, ease their pain or even have a bit of a joke, have a laugh with them, um, it's quite nice for us. So um, to take someone out of their situation where th- they think this is, you know, one of their worst situations they could have been in um, and for us to, yeah, help them out, make their day a bit easier um, start treating their problems. Uh, I think that gives you a good sense of accomplishment and achievement, um, you know, that you're spending your day doing something that's meaningful and useful for the community. Mm. Is there any particular story or is there anything that you could say that stands out that you think of, of, of when you really felt like, oh, man, that just, uh, you know, I'm so ha- proud of, of, of being a paramedic on this day? Um, yeah, I guess so. I guess some of the jobs I actually really like the most are even just going to the old nanas and poppers mm. who are like lovely, you know, they might have had a fall and they're like not even injured or something really minor, but meeting like when your patients are lovely, like it makes such a big difference mm. and just being able to have a nice chat with them, um, maybe even learn about their life. You know, they've got so many stories to tell um, and just like connecting with people. I find those jobs like sometimes really nice. You often walk out away with your partner after and being like, oh, I love that job or like that patient was awesome. Like they're probably some of the jobs that give you those best feelings like mm. without even doing much. It's just that human connection mm. um, and, you know, might help them. It's probably for us it's, you know, it wasn't that hard to help them if there wasn't much going on but they really appreciate it and wow. things like that. So, yeah, I find those jobs pretty cool. Um I do also like, you know, the bigger work, the when the pressure's on and, you know, we've got a patient who is sick and things like that. Uh, we can do some cool jobs and, 
you know, I've done some fun jobs, been on a police boat and helicopters and all those <laughs> things. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, they're a bit of fun and got some cool stories to tell. But, yeah, it's, I think it's a mixture. You can't do those big jobs every day. Mm. I think otherwise you'll get burnt out. Um, but, yeah, like I said, you know, helping a nana out who, you know, just needs a, need a hand with something like, yeah, you get those same emotions and mm. just a good sense of, you know, pride about helping out your community. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, you can you have that connection if you if you're a, a checkout you know person. I won't say checkout chick. That's, <laughs> um, but uh, you you connect with people. But it's when I think what I'm hearing is when people are in need, and you're going to to meet that specific need. Almost like the guard is down, and mm-hmm. you have those really real human connections. And you're able to help them, whether it's, you know, something small or, or maybe something a bit more complex. But there's that real uh, an authentic connection that you get with the community that you wouldn't probably get so much in, in other roles. Mm. Is, that, is that correct? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, it's kind of unexpected. So, mm. you know, they're, you know, calling out for help and we're there to, to help them. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's why it's nice. And, you know, I get to do it with some, like, so many of my colleagues I work with are great mates as well. So um, to share a day, you know, working with my friends as well as helping out other people. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really cool job. And um, I think I remember one of our teachers um, in paramedics, he used to say, you know, talk to your patients, like you'll learn so much from them. And mm. yeah, like everyone's got a cool story to tell. And, you know, if you can connect with that, that patient and find out what their cool story is, it's, it's really nice. Yeah. Well, I'm sure not not every day is really nice. <laughs> not every day mm. goes to plan. Um, what are some of the challenges, the difficulties of, of, of being a paramedic? I'll, you know, some kind of obvious things might come to mind, but uh, you know, but can you can you kind of view personally what what, what do you find most challenging and difficult about the job? Um, I think sometimes when yeah, you don't get treated with the respect. Mm. So there's patients where whether they're under the influence of drugs or alcohol or um, mental health mm. because they're not, you know, um, thinking, you know, in the right way. Um, yeah, sometimes you get, you know, spoken at not very nicely. There's a number of paramedics who gets like physically assaulted, mm. uh, which is not great. Uh, those jobs are tough you know talk about communication and connecting Mm. with your patients but then some people don't want a bar of you you can't connect with them at all um you're just trying to do your job but you feel like you know yeah you're not welcomed and not respected um but you're just there in their best interests you know you want to help your patients out you want to get them the best medical help for them or whatever they need at the time so for them or you know if it's a patient or if it's a bystanders that don't understand what we're trying to accomplish i guess so that's quite difficult so um those jobs can get quite frustrating mm. um, luckily that doesn't happen every job but i think that would definitely wear you down so um yeah but it's all part of it you know it comes with the good and the bad and mm. often people say oh i don't know how you do your job like you know we get that all the time and it's like i love my job you know uh, mm. but i think it's a to get through those difficult jobs that aren't so nice uh, that's why you've got your partner there mm. in the car with you. So we do a lot of debriefs after the job where it's like, you know, a formal debrief after a bigger job or where it's just that casual, you know, have a chat about the job and then, 
you know, have a chat about it and you sometimes you just forget it straight away and you go on to the next job. So, um, again, that it comes down to like communication, being able to talk things through, um, move on and just accept that, you know, hmm. not everyone's going to be lovely. Not everyone's going to want your help. Um, hmm. It's not always going to go to plan as well. Um, you, you kind of mentioned that sense of community, that sense of teamwork that you have as a paramedic. Um, is have you, have you kind of felt like that's been something that's been carried over or experienced as well, like the similarities being a part of a, a rowing team and going kind of into battle together, I guess, um, to, for want of a better phrase. Or a paddling team. Or a, a paddling yeah, yeah. team. Oh, here, see. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm, I'm, yes. I'm, I gave him a hard time for saying paddling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I needed to do that. Um, uh, uh, yeah, so, so, yeah, so, what yeah, what's that experience like in, in both your, your careers, you could say, athletic and, um, and paramedic career? Mm. Yeah, so I think being an athlete has taught me so many awesome and valuable life skills that I have managed to carry over into my work especially and like you said teamwork is a massive thing so it's a massive thing in sport so I race in team boats so uh, with other people in the boat also you have to work with you know coaches and mm. your teammates and you know on a daily basis in every session so to have that as a, a base for me as a background has really helped in my paramedic career and often it's just you and your partner in the ambulance um, for all day unless you do a job where you need to um, back up other paramedics and crews or it's a bigger scene with multiple cards on that job so to have that teamwork and I'm a very competitive person but when it comes to my role as a paramedic you know I'm not competitive when it comes to you know on the scene of the job it's you take that away and whatever's best for the patient mm -hmm. um, that's what you need to achieve and uh, working together with your partner to achieve that so um, as a paramedic you have different roles in the ambulance so we have a treating paramedic and a driver and you swap over every day like each day you alternate um so you have hmm. different roles within that but you kind of learn how to work with each other um if you're if you're treating you might need a bit of help to do a few of the the skills and things or you know if you've got a sick patient to speed things up so you work together to achieve that goal um, for the patient and also you know on the scene of a bigger job where you've got multiple crews um maybe multiple patients hmm. you work together to achieve what you need to um and yeah so it's good to to have that and sometimes you need to step up as a leader. So learning how to be a leader in sport and mm. carrying that across into paramedics as well. So often because I'm a qualified paramedic, so we often have trainee paramedics. So I'm their mentor, you, mm -hmm. basically teaching them on the road how to how to paramedic, uh, <laughs> which is, you know, a, a test of patience as well. Uh, but also you have to be a leader. So, you know, you need to step up at multiple stages and, you know, make decisions um, critical decisions about your patient mm. and yeah you kind of need to take charge so being able to have the confidence and be able to you know direct someone whether it's just your one partner or if it's multiple people on scene you know how you're going to work together um how are we going to achieve the best outcome for the patient um and then as well i find that another similar skill is you know performing under pressure so in sport you know i race in front of thousands and thousands of people and I put a lot of pressure on myself because I want to achieve success. Sure. Um, but even just lining up on a start line is, you know, oh it's quite nerve-wracking. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's so many thoughts and emotions going through your head. Uh, but that's why we do so much training is to learn how to, you know, cope with that and to deal with that and to be able to race and perform to your potential every time. Um, but I also see that quite similar 
as, as my job as a paramedic. So, you know, when you are going to those patients that are very, very sick, uh, you know, you put pressure on yourself because you want to, hmm. you know, do the best for your patient. You want to um, be the best paramedic you can. So your patient has the best chance of, you know, survival. Wow. So uh, it's almost, you know, people can get a bit rushed or stressed and things like that, but it's, you know, bringing it back to the basics. So for those sickest patients, you know, you're just thinking about the basics and that's what we do on, in paddling, you know, right. in a race. You don't want to get, you know, too stressed. You mm. don't want to think about the outcome already. You're just thinking about taking one stroke at a time. Mm. And on, in the job as a paramedic, you, you know, we're going through our ABCs constantly, yeah. uh, repeating that just to make sure because if the patient's got blood pumping around and <laughs> got oxygen going in and out, then, you know, um, that's a good thing. Wow. That's a really good comparison, complimentary. Great insights. Yeah. yeah, breaking it down to the fundamentals. And, and you certainly don't shy away from pressure um, in your life. Mm. Um, no. <laughs> is that something that really drives you to think that pressure point, even though you, it's, you know, it's an anxious kind of position to be in, but it's almost like, uh, it sounds like you've, you've designed your, your, to thrive in those sort of pressure situations. Yeah. Like I love, I love pressure. That's what I tell people <laughs> wow. I love, that's why I love racing. It's, um, it's kind of, a, it's a skill, I guess I've developed, um, mm. along the years to then you know, love racing and being able to get the most out of myself and to be consistent in racing. Uh, but you're yeah, having those feelings and mm -hmm. emotions before a race, you can't really replicate them mm -hmm. many other times, but I feel like sometimes I have replicated them when I'm on the job as a paramedic. So like I said, those bigger jobs where you feel the pressure, feel the tension, uh, but yeah, I can, you know, control my emotions, um, set that aside and just focus on the skills at, at hand, what I need to do. Um, and then if you have good outcome for your patient, that's that's pretty satisfying. Mm, yeah, you've Joe, you've worked as a paramedic now for four years, and as you said, you go back to the fundamentals every time. Um, so, is it do you, do you kind of is it still a, a challenge for you though um, going into situations um, because I, I, and I assume it is because it's largely unknown, right? Mm. Yeah. So yeah, it's a dynamic environment we work in. We don't ever really do the same job twice you know there's always differences to it so mm. um you know you've got challenges to actually where the patient's location is you know they mm. could be easy in the kitchen floor of their house or they could be down a bush track um mm. you know you've got those complications but also you know you've got different bystanders around some are helpful some are not helpful um and pa patients react differently they might have different um injuries or illnesses and different complications uh so yeah you just have to be be so aware of a lot of different things and keep reassessing um just because every job's different everyone responds different to things so mm -hmm. yeah it's a, a challenging environment but that's that's why it's exciting as well just to come up with um you know different strategies to deal with different things and you've kind of got to be a detective as well just to mm. figure things out along the way so it's kind of kind of fun drawing on multiple different skills every day. Wow. I mean, it sounds like we could, you know, talk to you for a lot longer. Unfortunately, our time is running out, Ben. You've got a schedule to keep to. Um, <laughs> but before you go, um, is there any particular advice? I'm sure there's lots of people listening right now, students, people that are contemplating a career as a paramedic. They're going to want they're probably going to be pretty inspired just hearing from you and, and your commitment and, and your passion for, for it. Is there any advice you'd want to give to them um, as they, you know, venture on that pathway to, to become a paramedic? 
Yeah, I think, um, well, for me, it's always I set myself goals. So if your goal is to become a paramedic, it's work out the best way for you how to get there. So, um, you know, doing the standard uni course might not be for them. Like I said, it's I went to, I did nursing first and then got into paramedics. So there's lots of different ways to achieve your goal. Um, The career as a paramedic is awesome. So, um, but, you know, it's not, you know, guns blazing lights and sirens, big jobs every single day. Um, mm. We do a lot of a low acuity work as well, so we're not rushing people to hospital all the time. Um, so, yeah, it's probably not as f- full on. Well, I say that because <laughs> I don't get stressed that much. But, <laughs> um, yeah, you do have your big jobs and you do have your your jobs that, you know, you don't require too many interventions, but it's a good mix. Um, but being a paramedic is awesome there's you work with so many awesome people uh, so i love it so it's definitely worth taking the career steps mm. to get there uh i'd say you know yeah don't feel like you have to rush to get there i feel like mm. having life experience is very important um just because a lot of the time when you're on the job you know even the difficult situations where you do have to talk to people like your main tool I guess, for treatment is talking to people. Uh, when you're quite young, that we've seen in quite a few young people in the job, you know, 20, 21, 22, it's, um, mm. it's quite challenging for them to be able to step up and tell those, you know, people who are the patients who are much older than them, you know, almost how to live their life or how to mm. deal with the situation. So that's what I find challenging. So don't feel like you have to achieve your goal of being a paramedic when you're 20, 21. Um, you know, you can slow it down, get some other life experience, wow. um, take different steps to get there. Great That's, advice. Yeah, really good <laughs> advice. We're always uh, typically in a rush to to get to the end point, but um, it's such a good reminder. And that is that is the theme that I'm hearing from people, you know, even that did get into the role early on, but feeling like now 10 years on that, Mm. There's so much better place to be a great paramedic, and they appreciate what they're what they're doing mm. so much more. Um, and bringing that life that life experience, somewhat unrelated right. life experience, sometimes. Mm. Yeah, um, life takes us on those turns and unexpected kinks in the road. And um, I think if you've got a passion for this yeah. sort of work, um, don't um, don't disqualify all of that stuff yeah. happens because in at the end of the day, this is. Uh, uh, human to human um, work, right? And you're meeting mm. people at the worst times, sometimes of their of their lives, and to be able to bring all of that, mm. you as a human, not as a robot, uh, you as a human uh, paramedic, mm. to be what they need at that time is is really what you're there for, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I think we've exhausted all of your time. Is there any uh, any place where people can learn more about you? Maybe buy a cake from you um, (laughs) as soon as you've got all that spare time on your hands since we've got a year year until Tokyo. Is there anything that's happening that you'd like to tell our our audience today um, before we sign off? Um, Well, yeah, if you want to follow my life as a kayaker, paramedic, baker, often I do my Instagram stories with baking and baked goods. Awesome. Um, So, yeah, I'm at Joe Brigden Jones. It's Kind of hard the spelling, but maybe Google it. We'll put it up um, on the uh, yeah on the on the, video. the bio yeah, so make sure they can get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, going back to like having goals and um, advice. Yeah, it took me. I first started dreaming about being a paramedic when I was ten years old, and I 
started my career yeah. as a paramedic when I was 28. So that's 18 years. I had a goal for 18 years and slowly worked towards that. So that's what I'm saying. Don't, don't put a limit on your goals. Um, don't put a timeline, you know, limit on it. Um, yeah. If you want to achieve it, you'll, you'll get there. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thanks, Joe. Yeah. All the best for Tokyo. We'll be cheering you on. We will be cheering you on. Um, it's such, such a great to have, have you on the show and, yeah. um, and all the best. Yeah, thank you again. for having me. It's cool to chat. Awesome. Thanks for listening to another episode of Changing Lives, brought to you by Australian Paramedical College. If you're enjoying our podcast, please consider rating it leaving a review or sharing it with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe to stay tuned for all future episodes. Did you know we're also on YouTube? Search for Changing Lives Podcast and you can watch our episodes in HD video, see the studio and put a face to a name. Speaking of studios, this podcast was filmed, recorded and produced by Make Media Studios. Special thanks to our audio-visual engineer and editor, Jose Biotto. And as always, it has been great to be with you. Until next time, don't stop changing lives. Yeah.